0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Welcome back to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. Hello to all my fellow Mavericks and all my fellow Misfits. Grateful that you have tuned in today. You know, the last episode focused on the topic of what Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit. And it was just enough to kind of uh, weave in my personal testimony about coming out of a belief system that did not highly regard the work of the Holy Spirit. And coming into a better understanding and a personal experience with encountering the Holy Spirit as a normal way of my Christian life. And I wove that testimony in with much of the teaching that Jesus gave about the Holy Spirit. If you missed that podcast episode, it's right before this one. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it, especially if you're an individual who does not, is not giving himself or herself over to the reality that the Bible teaches that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit continues to this day just as it did in the first century. You know, there's a big debate on that. And because of my high regard for the Word of God, the written Word of God, I explained my journey in leaving a belief system that said that the gifts had stopped and the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit had ceased. That belief system was called cessationism. And how I left that in the late 90s and entered in the early 2000s into a belief system called continuationism, and it's more commonly known as charismatic belief system. And I had not personally experienced any supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, nothing to write home about anyway, um, prior to me crossing over theologically and saying, oh, my Bible actually never teaches that this aspect of the Holy Spirit's work ceased. I had that pounded into me. I was taught to be you know, suspicious of all charismatics and stay away from these guys because they get off into doctrinal error and so on and so on. <laughs> as if people of other denominations and other slices of the kingdoms never got off into doctrinal error. But I was really warned stay away from the charismatics because they're crazy and you're going to get caught up and you're going to get demon-possessed and so on and so on. So I was like really suspicious of all things charismatic and until the Word of God led me to the place where I realized theologically, no, man, the gifts of the Spirit, even though they're abused sometimes, that doesn't mean that they have disappeared. Um, people are going to give an answer for abusing spiritual gifts. But the Bible itself never says, not any place does the Bible say that the gifts have already disappeared. And so it's on my heart to kind of use these podcasts over the next couple of episodes to talk about the Holy Spirit, and especially for those of you that don't really know what to believe about the Holy Spirit. Some of you have you know, been walking in the gifts of the Spirit longer than I've been alive, and I, I applaud you for continuing with Jesus and expecting that the supernatural God of heaven operates supernaturally through his church today. But my question to you would be, I'm glad you're experiencing it, but can you explain it? Not can you explain everything that the Holy Spirit does, but can you help somebody who doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, can you open your Bible and show them why they should believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm a Word and Spirit guy. I want the Holy Spirit, but I want the Holy Spirit in in the way that the Word, the written Word, reveals Him to be at work. And so we need both. And the original church had the Word and the Spirit, and the end times church needs to return to that paradigm that we are people of the written Word and people of the Holy Spirit. And that religion today, denominations, usually try to force us to pick between the two. And that just wasn't the case in the early church. They had both. They had apostolic doctrine. They had the Jewish Bible. They had apostolic doctrine from the New Testament apostles, and they had the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that today we should have anything less. We should have the written word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so last episode was what, uh, what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. And today I just want to kind of kind of put some cream on the top here with what Paul teaches about the Holy Spirit and then in upcoming episodes I'm actually going to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of confusion about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and a lot of differing debated uh, opinion on this and again let's go to the word and let's talk about what does the word say about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and so we'll do that in upcoming broadcasts. but today let me layer your mind your heart on Mavericks and Misfits with what paul teaches about the holy spirit now i want you to remember something when jesus christ was preparing to leave planet earth and to return to his father back to heaven he promised john 16 he promised the coming of the of the spirit of god he said i'm leaving but it's better for you that i leave because the holy spirit's going to come and take up the work that i began and so jesus did he left his followers but he left them with this broad stroke understanding of why Holy Spirit was being sent by him when he left. But it was it was the Apostle Paul's writings in our Bible that actually gifted the church with a specific understanding about the personhood and the purposes and the power of God the Spirit. And so this episode of the podcast, I wanna provide opportunity for all of us to gain scriptural wisdom. Say that with me, scriptural wisdom. I'm a Bible guy, you're a Bible guy or a Bible girl. We need scriptural wisdom concerning Holy Spirit, who actually is God in us. Think about this. Theologically speaking, Jesus does not live inside of us. (laughs) That'll mess some of you up. But Jesus is sitting in his glorified body on a throne in heaven. That's where Jesus is. Jesus actually physically has a body. He doesn't live inside of us. If God is living inside of a person, it's God the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So we better know who he is and what what he's doing and so with all the confusion and debate across the spectrum of Christianity about who the Holy Spirit is and what he, what he does, it's just healthy for us to learn again, you know, to answer the question, what does the Bible teach about the Holy Spirit? So let me just give you this opening passage of Scripture that most of you will recognize from Romans 8. Remember in Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, Paul wrote these words. He said, the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we don't know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love those verses. Um, People ask me all the time, "What what are those verses talking about? Some people say, well, that's just talking about tongues. Well, I actually do believe it's talking about tongues, but I actually believe that there's more to those verses than just praying in tongues. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But the thing I want you to get from that is that the Holy Spirit is God living inside of you searching your heart, revealing the mind of, the God, of God, because he as God, he is the one who has the mind of God and reveals the mind of God and imparts the mind of God to those of us who have the Holy Spirit, which is all Christians. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. And so he's interceding for the saints according to the will of God. So we all know that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. We know that Jesus is praying for us, but this verse is, teach, is teaching that the Holy Spirit prays for us by praying through us. Amazing verses. You say, Jeff, I don't understand. Good. That's perfectly all right because none of us can comprehend the deepest parts of this mystery. And you, you shouldn't, your quest shouldn't be to figure out God. If your quest is to figure out God, you're going to be an unhappy Christian because nobody's ever figured him out. Nobody. Nobody your your quest should be to know God as he reveals himself and to experience God as he makes himself available and there's a difference between knowing him with the mind and experiencing him in fullness and so i really want to call us to to deeper commitment and pursuit of all of that so let's 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 bring to bear What Paul teaches the apostle Paul radically saved he was a first century terrorist against the church hunting down early Christians imprisoning them making orphans and widows by killing and signing off on the death sentences of those early Christians then Jesus radically encountered Paul supernaturally knocked him off of his horse that he or his donkey was riding on and blinded Paul, put Paul in three days of time out, where Paul finally learned that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he went from being the terrorist against the church to becoming a born-again primary chief ambassador for the church. And he wrote the majority of your New Testament, and he had a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. So let's learn from him. What does Paul teach about the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, he teaches that all Christians are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, that may seem, you know, very elementary, but let me unpack it a little bit, because when Romans 8, 14 says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, that means that, listen, you don't just receive the Holy Spirit and he seals you until the day of redemption when you get saved and you never hear from him again. <laughs> that, that's crazy. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit on the moment of your salvation. You're sealed until the day of redemption. But the Bible says that from the point of your salvation until you are glorified in heaven, you will be led by the Spirit of God. Now, mark this down. Not just led by your Bible, not just just being led by spiritual, scriptural verses and kingdom principles, but led interactively by the Spirit of God. So that should give us pause and say, well, what does that look like? Well, friends, it's the difference between living led by the spirit of God and living led by common sense. We don't live by common sense. We're Christians. We don't live by cultural standards. We're Christians. We wait on gaining discernment from God, specifically from God, the spirit. We ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us. We are seeking the kingdom first, so we're not bowing to all the facts. Sometimes the facts will lie to you if you make them sovereign. If the facts become bigger to you than the um, power of God or the promises of God, then you become a slave to the facts you see before you. When the Holy Spirit leads you, you can acknowledge the facts, and sometimes you can look at the facts and say, hmm, those facts are going to have to bow because this is what the Lord has said. And so we we hear the Holy Spirit's voice through our own faculties, through our mind, through our emotions, through our heart, and he illuminates our way. And he does that through the written word, the Logos, and through the application of the Logos, the wisdom in the moment, and we call that Rhema. So the written word and then the voice of God, the Rhema, who takes the written word and and he, he speaks to us, he unpacks it for us. And when we get that, we're being led by the Spirit. He's interactive. Friends, I, you know, I grieve sometimes because I meet awesome Christians who love Jesus. But man, if they can't read it in the Word, if they don't have a verse on it, if they have not experienced it themselves, they won't believe in it. And so if they can't understand it, they can't control it, they can't predict it, they won't believe it. And sadly, that leaves no margin for the Holy Spirit to be their consistent teacher Because they have to have a verse on it. Now listen, mark this down. The Holy Spirit will never say anything that counters the written word. Why? Because he wrote the written word. The scriptures are given to us as as God breathed them out. They're Holy Spirit inspired. He moved the people that wrote the Bible. And so they're God breathed. And so he's not going to inspire something to be written in the scripture and then tell you something that opposes what he said. But there's a difference between being unbiblical versus being non-biblical. Unbiblical would be something that it goes against the scripture. Non-biblical is simply something that is not addressed in scripture. Let me give you an example. So I was a Christian. I was saved in August of 1994. Well, on December 14th, four months later, I'm sitting in a church service, and there's a missionary preaching, and it was kind of a dull sermon. Nice guy, but a dull sermon. And in the midst of this dull sermon, I started hearing the Holy Spirit, not audibly, but in my human spirit, in my mind, in my heart, I started hearing this from the Holy Spirit. Jeff, you're going to preach the gospel. I'm calling you to preach the gospel. You are going to be my messenger. And I heard that various ways over and over again for about 40 minutes during the message and it terrified me. Now, listen to me. That calling was real. I'm still doing it today, 26 years plus later. That calling was real. But let me tell you something. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says, Jeff Lyle, you shall preach the gospel. Do you know what I had? I had Rhema. I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to my human spirit. You will preach the Bible. That is non-biblical. It's not unbiblical. It doesn't oppose anything in scripture, but it's non-biblical in that I had to believe something that I didn't have a verse on. So do you see the difference? Christians need to understand the difference between unbiblical and non-biblical. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will lead you into that truth. So when he does speak to us, what do we do? We obey what he says. We follow in paths that are, quite frankly, they're often counterintuitive. They're definitely counter-cultural. They are definitely countercultural. they do not make sense to an unredeemed world, but we are following the Spirit. Why? Because He leads us and all the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And ultimately, you know, those that aren't led by the Spirit of God, they're not going to understand why we do what we do. They're not going to understand some of the things we give our lives to or some of the things we say or commit to. That's okay. You don't have to be understood by everybody, but you do have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul, in that same chapter in Romans 8, also taught that the Holy Spirit reassures us. Um, verses 15 and 16 of Romans 8 says this, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, and that would include sons and daughters, male and female. You've respe- received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God so Paul taught that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit to us on our behalf is that he reassures us he assures us that we're saved and if we ever doubt that he works to reassure us why because we didn't receive a spirit of slavery that will cause us to fear Paul would say in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 that we did not receive God does not give us the spirit of fear But we've received the spirit of adoption, and that is a spirit of adoption reassures us that we're actually God's boys and girls. We're his sons and daughters. And because of that, Romans 8 says that we cry out, Abba, Father. That's a relational word. Uh, God wants you to know him as Abba, Father, Pater, Daddy. He wants us to know him as Abba. It's an Aramaic term that Jesus used when he prayed to God. And Paul is saying, yeah, we pray like Jesus prays to the Father. And then Paul adds this, that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our human spirit that we are indeed the children of God. So the Holy Spirit works over time to assure you that you belong to God. So now recognize this because a lot of people are struggling with the spirit of fear. That does not come from the Lord. It does not come from the Lord. The Lord will convict you that you're not saved if you're truly not saved, but he doesn't toy with you. It's the enemy that toys with you. God has no delight whatsoever in making you wonder if you're saved or not. God the Spirit will come in with power and show you you need to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord, and, and repent and confess and believe and forsake your sin. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit lives within you, and he takes up the ministry of assuring you that you are sealed until the day of redemption. That spirit of fear is not the Lord. That spirit of dread, that spirit of, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Well, friend, let me tell you, you never are good enough and you will never do enough. You have to put it all on Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. So the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear. By the way, the apostle John, he said, perfect love cast out all fear. And then the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2.15, that God delivers all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And our cry goes from, oh, my Lord, help me. Am I really saved? Am I doomed? Have I sinned my way into such an abyss that I can never be retrieved? That, that kind of cry leaves us, and it's replaced by, Abba, Father. And that's the relational cry. It's, it's really a non-formal cry of intimacy from the child to the father. And the Holy Spirit breaks down those barriers to intimacy so that he can reassure us that our sonship, our daughterhood, with God is real and he builds greater confidence in us as time goes on that we really do. We really belong to the father. That's the Holy Spirit's work. That's not just simply you disciplining your mind. That may be important, but the Holy Spirit is at work inside of you to reassure you that you really do belong to the Lord. So listen to that voice. Um, that same chapter Romans eight, so much of what Paul taught about the spirit is in Romans eight, but the same chapter, um, teaches us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our limitations. That's the verses I read when I just started this episode today. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So Holy Spirit comes to us when we're weak, maybe in our body, when we're weakened in our emotions, when we are weary in our mind, when we're troubled in our circumstance, when our Our spirit is agitated the Holy Spirit comes in and he helps us he comes alongside of us as he is inside of us and he helps us in our weaknesses he doesn't say get strong then I can help you he says I'm coming to you while you're weak and I'm going to help you right there where you are when you're weak you don't have to perform at optimum level for the Holy Spirit to come and work in your life you just have to be open you just have to be hungry and thirsty and honest and acknowledge, Lord, I am weak. I don't have anything to offer. I am troubled. I am weak. And sometimes we don't have a clue what to pray. And so this verse, Romans eight twenty six, says, the Holy Spirit begins to intercede for us with what is described as groanings that are too deep for words. Now we're gonna talk about praying in tongues in a different episode, so I don't have time to unpack that. But I do believe that one of the greatest things that Christians can do when we don't know what to pray, when we are too weary to pray, when literally our native tongue, English or whatever your your prayer, your actual language is, that you normally pray in, sometimes you just set aside your normal prayer language, your normal um, native language, And you enter into your prayer language and you pray in tongues. And when you do that, you are praying the heart and the mind of God through the spirit, according to Romans chapter eight. And they are groanings that are too deep for articulation, for words. That's what the scriptures teach. And so to those of you that don't believe in the gifts of the spirit, I would just ask you, well, what, what do you think that means? I mean, because it's got to mean something. It's in the Bible. It's got to mean something. And if it doesn't mean praying in, in a language that can't be articulated by words, then what does it mean? Now, I'll save that for a different time. And, and you know, we'll revisit it when we talk about the specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I've just got a few minutes left. And let me just i want to highlight this. Paul taught, again, Romans 8. If you want if you want to know what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, read over and over again John 16. If you want to know what the, the apostle Paul taught about the Holy Spirit, read Romans 8 over and over and over again. Because in Romans 8:27, Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit thinks and he communicates. He's a thinking God. He's, he's not an it. He's God. And so he has a personality, he has an intellect, he has a will. He thinks and communicates. It says in Romans 8, 27, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. The spirit has a mind because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that great? The spirit thinks the mind of the spirit and the spirit communicates the spirit intercedes. So he, he speaks. So the Holy Spirit is, is, I mean, listen, God, the father spoke in the old Testament. God the Son spoke in the Gospels, and God the Spirit speaks to us post-Pentecost. God is a communicating God. And and so, friends, the question is not, does God ever say anything? The question is, are we listening? Are we listening to other sources, inferior sources? Are we just trying to do everything with our minds instead of letting the Holy Spirit impart His mind to us through His communication? And I will say this, um, I'm going to give you three commands as we close today, because It's really important that you and I remain aware that Christians partially determine their own level of interaction with the Holy Spirit. Now, he's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. Um, He ambushed me in a powerful way in the year February of 2003. That's what was my first undeniable encounter with the Holy Spirit. I had experienced some of the fruit of the Spirit prior to that, but never was I overwhelmed and fully ambushed by the Holy Spirit prior to 2003. And that was, by the way, n- almost nine years after I became a Christian. So I went the first eight and a half years of my Christian life, never having what I would call a full frontal assault <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. But man, when he came, he came with power. And so ever since then, my, my personal level of interaction with the Holy Spirit Sometimes it's been at peak level. Sometimes it's been kind of low. Sometimes it's felt non-existent. But I want to remind myself that I partially determine my own level of interaction with the Holy Spirit. How do I say that? Because I'm going to give you three commands, concern, three commands from the Bible that concern your participation with the Holy Spirit. The first is this, you are to be continually filled with him. This is a command. Do not get drunk with wine. You know, the verse Ephesians 5, 18, don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery or excess, but be filled with the spirit. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and gave them a command about their interaction with the Holy Spirit. And the command was this, be continually filled with the spirit. Now, listen, when the Bible commands something, that means we have a responsibility to obey the command. So it's illegitimate. It's an illegal move in the kingdom of God to say, well, the Holy Spirit can fill me if he wants Time out, blow the whistle, put the clock on pause. Why? Because we're commanded to be filled with the spirit. And I will take an entire broadcast, hopefully, and talk about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to get you thinking in the right direction before that podcast episode that you're commanded to be filled with the spirit. So some of it is determined by you. The second thing is we're commanded is in the negative. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians chapter four, verses 30 through 32. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then verse 31 tells us how we often grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's pretty incredible you see we're commanded not to grieve the holy spirit you grieve who he is you break his heart that's what happens when we are bitter and we live in wrath and anger or clamor which is just disunity and hostility when we operate in slander or malice towards other people when we When we do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And so instead of doing that, we're commanded to be kind to one another and tenderhearted to one another and forgiving one another. And that enables us in part to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'd forgive others just like Jesus forgave us. So I grieve the Holy Spirit if I operate in bitterness towards other people. If I'm living in anger, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. I can't be filled with the Spirit if I'm filled with anger. If I'm slandering other people, listen, let me say this. I don't care how much you talk in tongues. I don't care how much you prophesy. If you've got a slanderous tongue, you're not spirit-filled. You're a fake, you're a phony. I'm being bold with you there because I've seen a lot of that. Some of the meanest people in the world are people that have prayed in tongues. And unfortunately, that helps uh, kind of galvanize the argument against the gifts of the spirit. Cause people say, well, I know this charismatic person that acted like a jerk and you want me to experience their gifts, but they don't even know how to be nice to people. So we, we've got to recognize that we, we have commands not to grieve the Holy spirit. And part of that is determined by how we interact with other people. So that's on you. That's on me. I get to determine whether the Holy spirit is pleased with me or if I'm grieving who he is. Then we're also commanded not to quench the Holy Spirit. You following me here? We determine partially our, level of own, our own level of interaction with the Holy Spirit by how we obey these commands. We're commanded to be filled with him. We're commanded not to grieve him. And we're commanded not to quench him. If grieving him speaks to who he is, then quenching him speaks to what he does. We quench the flame. We quench the fire. We quench the power of the Holy Spirit. This is when Paul wrote to 1 Thessalonians, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. So when we quench the spirit, we literally throw a blanket on his flame. We walk around with a fire extinguisher and we can't have the power of God in our lives and what he does is, is limited in our lives because we're not praying without ceasing. We're not operating in joy. We're not being thankful in all circumstances. And it says very clearly, doing these things is the will of God for you. It's the will of God for you to be rejoicing. It's the will of God for you to pray. It's the will of God for you to give thanks in everything. And when we, we don't do that, we quench the spirit. And friends, we, we, we are empowered to live above that. And so the, the last thing I'm leaving you with, and I'm not even going to unpack it. I'm just going to kind of use it as an on-ramp to the next episode. The other thing that Paul taught that the Holy Spirit did and does is that he imparts spiritual gifts. That's going to be our next episodes. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Say, what gifts, Jeff? All of them. The body of Christ needs all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean you'll have all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the church has all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to get ready for those episodes, you study 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. Study them. And I'm going to dismantle. I'm going to do it humbly, but I'm going to do it without apology. I'm going to dismantle the idea that people believe that the gifts have ceased and they use one verse from those chapters I just mentioned to you and they say aha see the gifts have stopped I'm going to show you very clearly in those same verses why I know that that verse does not teach that the gifts of the spirit stop. So I hope that's got your curiosity up. I hope that you've been edified by learning what more Paul taught about the gifts of the Holy spirit. And when we get together um, again, the person of the work of the Holy spirit is taught by Jesus is taught by Paul. Now we're going to talk in our next session about the gifts of the Holy spirit and begin asking God, God, what are the gifts that you've given me and how do I use them for your glory? And we'll show you what the scriptures say about all of that. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.